Psalm 23, here we are again. Let's read it again. I mean, I know it's probably one of the most memorized psalms in the Word of God um, and one of the most popular psalms in the Word of God, probably one of the most chap- popular chapters in the Bible. Uh, but let's read it together and just soak it in and, and rejoice in these truths here. This is a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And last week as we started into this, uh, I talked about what I already mentioned that, you know, this is one of the most popular psalms. You know, this is the psalm when you go to the Christian bookstore, you're going to see this one, you know, on some plaque or some tapestry, you know, whatever, you know, those things they sell and whatnot. And, uh, uh, and it's a psalm, though, that, that you know, so there's some chapters in the Bible and such that, that the world really embraces, you know, people that don't know the Lord. You know, you go to most weddings and whether people are believers or not, a lot of times 1 Corinthians 13 is read or the part about love is read there. And, you know, you look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, some people take that and they think that the Sermon on the Mount is actually the gospel. You do all this stuff, then you're right with God. But it's actually, you know, and, and, and the world takes it like, you know, the list of this is what you do to be a good person when really the Lord was just teaching his disciples, those that have faith with them, you know, this is how I want you to be living and so forth. And Psalm 23, it's, it's kind of along those lines where, you know, you'll see people take this and, and kind of stand it and memorize it and, you know, uh, lines out of it taken and so forth and put into different types of poetry and, and things. But, you know, what strikes me in this is when David starts this, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And that's the key in this. Can you say the Lord is my shepherd tonight? Because there's a lot of people that quote this. There's a lot of people that put plaques up, those tapestries. You know, uh, you know they, they even have a loved one who passes away that never gave Jesus Christ the time of day, and they'll read this psalm here, you know, uh, some act of comfort. But if he's not your shepherd, this doesn't apply to you. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He didn't even say here, the Lord is our shepherd, though he is our shepherd, those of us who are in Christ. But he personalized, the Lord is my shepherd. And David could say, the Lord is my shepherd, because David had faith in the Lord God. It wasn't, you know what, anything that David did. It wasn't even the fact that, you know, he was of the house of Judah, that, that he was an Israelite. Uh, because there were many of the house of Judah and even Israelites that didn't have faith in the Lord. They just were, you know what, kind of drones in a system that, that walked around mechanically and did some religious stuff, but they didn't have their faith in the Lord. I mean, go read the Old Testament. He's rebuking them left and right for that because they were stiff-necked and hard-hearted, though there was always a remnant that believed. But David was a man who obviously was raised with knowledge of the fact that he was a sinner. Uh, You know, on top of that, we know the Holy Spirit convicts all men of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he heard of the promise of the Messiah, and he was familiar with the God of Israel. And he said, I want God to be my God. And I believe that the Messiah is going to come and die for my sins. And just as Abraham believed God and was accounted to him as righteousness... 
And just as we know that we are saved by grace through faith, we, not of works as we should boast. We are saved. Righteousness is accounted to us when we put faith in Christ. The same is true with David. David, at some point in his life, as a young man. Uh, you know, obviously he was, again, raised in a household that had the knowledge of God there. But at some point along the way, he, he, he made a, a, a decision to say, listen, this God that my father worships and my father's father worship, I'm going to worship him too, and I'm going to put my faith in him. And I'm going to put my trust in him. Nowhere in the scripture do you see David preaching some gospel through his works or through his actions or so forth. David knew that he was a sinner, and he knew he needed a Savior. And he had put faith in God Almighty, and he put faith in that Savior who was to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, he could say, the Lord is my shepherd. And that's a glorious thing to be able to say. And tonight, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and I asked you early, have you put your faith in Jesus? And it was a pretty hearty amen. And maybe some of you, as I shared the gospel, you put your faith in Christ tonight. But if you've called upon Jesus and he's your Lord and Savior, you can say with confidence, the Lord is my shepherd. And listen, that's a glorious thing. Because if he is your shepherd, you don't need to want. He says, I shall not want. I, 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 I can be content. I don't need to be anxious. I don't need to be in a place where my heart's full of covetousness. I know that I am in the Lord's hands, and I know the Lord's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Now, we know that he's our shepherd if he's our Lord, but there's times when we do want, don't we? And there's times we do covet. Does anyone in the room here ever get anxiety or get anxious about things? I, I, I mean, it's kind of part of our fallen nature. And that happens, you know when that happens? When we get our eyes off our shepherd, and we forget who our shepherd is. And, and it's a thing as well where we're growing in our faith and we're growing in our trust of our shepherd and getting to know him more intimately and seeing these promises in God's word played out and lived out in our lives. Uh, I find that, you know, it, as time goes by and I, I get more time under my belt, so to speak, and walking with the Lord, uh, by God's grace, I've learned to trust in him more because I've seen his faithfulness. And, you know, sometimes it's through that valley of the shadow of death, which we'll talk about here in a minute, from going to one pasture to another, and, and that's kind of those times of trials. And then you see the Lord, you know, you're thinking, death's before us, and you turn the bend, and there's the green pasture. And you're like, he is a good shepherd. He knows what he's doing in his leading. His word is true. And again, sometimes we stray off, but he'll leave the 99 behind, and he'll go find us, and you know, he'll use his rod to protect us and at times to chastise us, but we see he is a good shepherd. And we're in that process of learning that. And I just hope even in looking at this psalm and as we've gone through, you know, some of these psalms this summer that we're learning what a good shepherd that he is and the fact that we don't need to want, that we can rest in him. And last week as we looked at this, we considered Paul's words there in, in, in Philippians. It was in 4.12 where he said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And sometimes, you know what, his, sheep's, his sheep suffer need. But again, God is using that to grow us, to grow our faith. And he's a good shepherd. And there's times he'll even allow suffering or trials for our own good. To temper us, to shape our character, our person. 
I would think a shepherd that has sheep. Now, I'm not a shepherd. There was someone last week who was here, talked to me afterwards because he grew up on a sheep farm. And it was, it was kind of neat, some of the stuff. You know, he was just talking about some of this stuff. But I think most shepherds don't just take their sheep and, and give them a remote control and a TV and set them up on a couch, do they? I mean, they take them through things. And part of what they take them through is even a, a training and so forth to know their voice. And again, from pasture to pasture, they take them through things. Because if you stay in the same pasture too long, you get enough sheep there, they're going to eat all the food there, right? And so it's like, we got to go to the next pasture. And the sheep's like, I don't want to go. And so you go through the time where you feel like you're suffering need. You, you feel like you're a base. But you know, listen, this is part of God's promise and part of God's process of growing me in him and growing my faith in him. And he's using it for my good. And that's why we, we need not want. We don't have to want whether it's a time of abundance or a time when we're a base. We can rest in the Lord because he is the good shepherd. And maybe tonight you're in a place where you're being tempted to want. Get your eyes on the good shepherd. Trust in his promises. And listen, let him shepherd you. We got to let him shepherd us. Because sometimes we're like, yeah, he's the good shepherd, but we're not allowing him to shepherd us. And we're like, but I'm going to go in this field over here. And he'll still be the good shepherd. And he'll still even allow, again, a chastisement in his love for us and so forth, a, a correction. But let him shepherd you. As it says here in, in two, he makes me lie down in green pastures and besides still waters. He leads me. So let's let him shepherd us. Let us let, let's let him lead us. We talked about you know, the green pastures and the still waters. This is where a sheep would eat. This is where a sheep would drink. Listen, we got God's word open up tonight. We're in green pastures this evening. God ministering to us. And each day, God wants to lead you into the word of God. God wants to, you know, lead you in, in prayer. He wants to minister to your heart. Are you letting him do that? Again, he's your Lord. Can we say amen? We can. He's our shepherd. And so we want to let him shepherd us, don't we? And this is green pastures, again, it's found in, in God's word. It's an amazing thing that happens when you open up God's word and you just begin to pray, Lord, minister to my heart. Meet me where I am. There's, there's just a, a, a supernatural washing effect. Where the scripture talks about being washed by the word. Uh, there, there's a, a, a revelation of truth as we see God's promises, revelation of God's love for us. There's a, a growth that comes. It says to desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And then we read here in verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me into paths of righteousness for his namesake. And, and again, we talked about all this in greater detail last week. But, you know, we came to Christ and, and we needed that restoration. And uh, again, immediately when, when he was calling and, and by his grace, we responded and we came into salvation. Uh, you're a saved now, or uh, the day that you asked Christ to be your Savior, you were as restored and saved as much then as now positionally before God. Because again, we came under the blood of Jesus. Restoration. We were lost, and now we've been restored. Think about a restoration project. You know, there's a lot of TV shows and stuff now about restoring things. And there's something that's old and it's all beat up and so forth. So they give it to one of these guys. Pretty amazing some of these guys' talents and so forth. And they go and they find the parts and so forth. And they do it and they restore it. It looks as good as new, right? 
I think about Adam before he sinned in the garden. I mean, he had a perfect relationship with God. He wasn't subjected to death. Then he ate of that tree. And, and listen, the rust came in and the moths came in and death set in. And we were born under that system, separated from God. And then Christ is the ultimate restorer. And he doesn't even need to go get used parts and whatnot and sift through the junkyard. We come to him and we come to God under the life of Christ. And now we have a restored relationship with the living God. In Christ Jesus, your soul has been restored. You were in right standing with God Almighty. And that's good news. And then praise God as we're talking about positional restoration, which we have. Practically, he wants to restore us. Practically, he wants to work in our life that process of practical sanctification. Listen, I, I know many, many of you in this room, I, I know you personally. And there's some people in this room I knew before they knew the Lord. And there's some people in this room I knew when they first came to the Lord. And then I knew them when they didn't walk with the Lord, though they knew the Lord and the Lord was faithful to, again, chastise them and knock on their lives and so forth. And I can look out here tonight, I've seen a lot of growth in this room. A lot of, a lot of restoration. A lot of folks that are in a place they, were, they weren't once, you know, at before. And it's a better place than they were before. They're, they're closer to the Lord and so forth. And, and again, for all of us, it's a continual process, you know, it, until we go to be with them. But praise God for those restoration projects. And that's a witness to, to God and the, 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 the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's Word. He's, he has restored us and He is restoring us. And then he leads me in a path of righteousness for his namesake. And, uh, you know, we talked about, again, righteousness is only found in Christ. And then even right living is found in Christ. The scripture talks about the, the old path. It talks about the ancient path, which is just really God's word. He wants us to get in the word of God and, and to begin to walk with him and to grow with him and so forth. And all of that fruit in our life and that restoration project, again, it's for his namesake. He's the one that's glorified in that. As you look around this room and, and, and you see restoration projects, listen, if, if I was your neighbor 20-some years ago, and then you see me as a pastor now, you know there's been some great restoration that's happened. Because you would have hated if I was your neighbor back then. You would have, you would have hated me. But that's not to my glory. And, 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 and that's not, for my namesake, that's to the glory of God. That God could, could move me from a, being a horrible neighbor to, some of my, my neighbors still don't like me, but for different reasons than before. But, uh, but, but, but you know, fruit and so forth. Um, and to his glory, practically, you know. The work he's doing in your life, it's, it's for his namesake. And, and so, you know, yeah, let's encourage one another. And let's build one another up and say, man, I see the Lord working in your life, and that's good. But the emphasis on the Lord in your life, that he gets all the praise and the honor. And, you know, it is, as he raise, raises folks up and, and gives us ministries and so forth, that we remember it's all for his namesake. It's all to his glory and his praise and to his honor. Amen. And last week, we kind of entered into verse 4, but let's read it again. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And again, we, we touched on this last week, but notice what David said, Yo, they, 
yea, though I walk. And he didn't say, yea, as I graze in the valley of the shadow of death. There are times of grazing. There's times of rest, no doubt. I mean, we've rest from our works. We're saved by God's grace. And, and, and that's a, an eternal rest we have in Jesus. But he has saved us unto good works. And uh, quoted this verse last week. Jesus, there in Luke 9, 23, said to, said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And again, we're saved by his grace through faith. And we can say he's my shepherd, but he's called us to walk. He hasn't called us just to be spiritually fat sheep that just intake, but never go out and put it into practice, or just want to be ministered to, but they don't want to go out and minister to anybody else. David says, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And you consider David's life, that guy walked a lot. From the time of a young man, he, he served the Lord. And yeah, he had some ups and downs and some setbacks that God even worked through those and used them for good. Interesting, I, I heard this past week, just a side note with David and, and, and how God even uses things for good. Um, the folks there at the Temple Institute in Israel, they're, they're Jews that they're putting everything in order to be able to rebuild and, and have the temple there on the Temple Mount. And as part of this whole end time scenario, you know, that temple in, in the tribulation, um, they're basically appealing to the courts and United Nations that David and, Saul, and Samuel purchased the deed to the Temple Mount. And what's interesting, he purchased the deed to the Temple Mount because before he took a census of the country for his own namesake. And, and uh, even Joab, Joab his, his, his shady captain of the guard, said, you shouldn't be doing this. And I love the fact he didn't, he didn't count a couple of the tribes just to needle David. Like, I, I love the fact that he did that, though maybe he shouldn't have done that. But after, immediately when they gave the numbers to David, there was a conviction on him. And God said, you have three choices. You know, you, know, you, can, you can come under siege. There can be a famine, I think it was. I, I can't remember exactly. And, but the one he chose was to basically have the Lord deal with them in, in a plague. And it would be very short. And he said, I want to fall in the hands of men, the hands of God. And this plague broke out. And finally, David went up where the temple mount is, and he pleaded with God. And he, he purchased the threshing there, floor there. And he purchased the deed to the temple mount, and it came out of his error, yet God used it for good. And even today, they're saying, listen, we have the deed to the temple mount because we're the descendants of David, and we can prove we are. We have the archaeological record. He walked a lot, and, and God met him where he was at. And again, we're called to take up our cross and walk. And the beautiful thing, even how God used that for good, those times we fall down, the Lord will pick us up, and he'll use it for good. Because sometimes when you take up a cross, that's a heavy thing. You, you fall down. Not that his yoke is heavy, but absolutely, at the same time, it, it doesn't say that, that to be a cupcake for Jesus. It says to be a soldier for Christ. And so are you walking? Are you walking with the Lord? Are you walking in what he's called you to do? David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear evil. And we talked about last week, it, 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 indeed, it is, a, it is a valley of the shadow of death, 
and we've already touched on it tonight, it's a picture of moving from, from pasture to pasture. And we've been called to walk, we've been called to abound, and you can't abound if you stay in the same pasture too long. And I'm not necessarily talking about hopping from church to church, or moving from town to town. We're talking about just our walk with the Lord, growing in Him. And throughout the New Testament, there's calls to abound in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. And Colossians 2, 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Are you abounding in your walk with the Lord? Walking through the valley. And again, if you want to abound in Him, the Scripture says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. When you go one pasture to another, there may be some persecution, some trials. It's going to feel like a valley of the shadow of death from one pasture to the next, that stretching, that growing, but we, we don't break. And we got to remember, as David said here, I will fear no evil. We don't need to fear as we walk in faith because ultimately shadows, they can't hurt you. It's through the valley of the shadow of death. And shadows can't do that. Now, maybe the thing casting the shadow can, but we're in the hands of the Lord. And even anything the Lord would allow to happen. We can know he's the good shepherd. Just like with Job, you know, Satan's going to and fro and God says to him, have you considered my servant Job? And if Job knew about that conversation going on, he'd probably say, Lord, what are you doing? Just let him go to and fro. Get him away from me. But the Lord allowed that to happen. And some people just read the first few chapters of Job and they want to identify with Job on the ash heap. God used that for his glory. At the end of that, Job had insight and revelation about God Almighty that very few ever had before him and have ever had after him. And God restored everything he had, even double. And so we don't need to fear. It's a shadow. God's with us. But notice what, again when he says, I will fear no evil. None of it. And this is a fallen world. And have you noticed there's a lot of evil things in this world? There's a lot of people that are evil. They're not our enemies. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. But the Bible speaks of enemies of the cross. I mean, before I came to Christ, I was an evil person. No fans or butts about it. And there's some people that are deliberately evil, and outside of Christ, again, we were all evil in our sin. And then again, we know that there is a spiritual battle of evil and wickedness that the scripture talks about that is just involved in so many things because Satan is called the God of this world. And there's a lot of these things that can strike fear in our hearts. And yet because the Lord is our shepherd, we don't need to fear evil. Even when we're going from one pasture to another through the valley of the shadow of death, and oftentimes the shepherd would have to take them from his sheep from a green pasture, and he'd have to go down through a valley, a dark place with rocks and so forth. And, and along the way, there's no still water. Along the way, there are no green pastures. But the shepherd knows where he's taking the sheep around the corner in the bend to this next green pasture. And we'll see ultimately for David, he proclaims of the fact that the final pasture is dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. And he can say that because the Lord is my shepherd. 
And so tonight, listen, we don't need to fear evil. We need to know this because Satan loves to play on our fears. He lurks in the shadows. He's a master at hand puppetry, you know, with shadows that are on the wall. To strike fear in our hearts because fear is a paralyzing, it's a crippling thing. You either walk by faith or you shrink back in fear. And we need not do that because he is our shepherd. And just, just and we can talk about this and say amen and rejoice in it. I just pray to God Almighty that we can grow in faith and all the more each day our fear can be crucified. And the only area of fear that we would grow in is in fear of God in the sense of reverence for our God Almighty and believing what he says is true. Matthew 10, 27. This is what our good shepherd said to us. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the air, preach on the housetops. And listen, that's for our generation right now. This isn't a time to shrink back when it comes to truth because it's not politically correct. Truth is the new hate speech in this culture. If you speak truth, you're called a hater, even though it's the truth and everyone knows it's the truth. But it's the new hate speech. But the truth sets people free. Lies don't set people free. Political, correct nonsense doesn't set people free. Truth sets people free. And the truth is we're sinners and we need a savior. And the Lord said, what I tell you in the dark, speak it on the housetops. And then he says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And there's a lot of people today that want to try to be intimidating, that want to get us to not stand in truth and to be fearful based on the threats that they bring. You know the persecuted church, you know, the underground church around the world? People say, how do they spread the gospel? Because if they get caught, they'll get arrested or they might get killed. How do they do it? They just do it and they believe God's going to protect them. They just do it anyway. And some of these guys, it's just amazing how just the Lord goes before them and protects them and protects them and opens up doors and opportunities. And that has to be the case because the biggest revivals in the world are happening in those nations. Or people are getting saved in the nations where it's illegal and you'll get your head cut off than in the United States of America. And they know, listen, it's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If we die, we die, but we're not going to bow down. It's that simple. Jesus says, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you you are of more value than many sparrows. He says, don't fear. You don't need to. Why, again, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do we need any more than that? Do we need a greater reason not to fear than the fact that our shepherd is with us? The Lord's with us. And I'll tell you, the, the reality is, oftentimes, when you're in the green pasture, you're so caught up in, in the greenery and the still waters, you forget your shepherd's with you. It's when you go through the valley of the shadow of death that you're like, I got to have my eyes fixated on my shepherd because these shadows are creeping in and I don't know what's casting them. And that's why, again, God takes us through 
those valleys because oftentimes that's where we really stand on his promises and no i got i don't got any other option than to really trust in my shepherd and the lord and when we go through the next one we're like it's true he is with me i saw that he's with me now we should see him with us in the green pasture as well and and hopefully we can learn to do that if if we're not people to do that where we can thank him again and we should as much as we call out in the valley, we would thank them in the place of green pasture. But get that in your heart tonight. I mean, take this. Get it in your heart tonight. Memorize this. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Amen? Let's ask God to inscribe that on our hearts. And then he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And a rod and a staff, a shepherd would use that to lead the sheep into green pasture. It would be something that, you know, he would use to navigate and so forth. And that same rod and staff, it would be used to defend against lions and wolves and other predators. Because a good shepherd stays. He's not like a hireling that, hireling that runs when the wolf comes along. He says, well, I'm just here for hire. So if you pluck a few sheep over, sheep over here and they die, that's okay as long as I get my hire. I'm not going to defend the flock. I, you know, whoever wants to come in, let them come in. As long as I get paid. And, and the Bible speaks of a lot of hirelings in the pulpit. I don't want to be one of those guys. The staff also corrects though. Proverbs twenty two fifteen: Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. But the rod of correction will drive it far from him. And I've heard it say, said by children at times. Where the, the parent will say, spare the rod, spoil the child. And, and they, they try to change the, the English in it and say, yes, spare the rod and spoil me. Where it says, no, if you spare the rod, you're going to spoil them. It's a correction. And that should be a comforting thing because really his rod and staff, it's a picture of his word. It defends, it, it, it leads, it corrects. The rod and the staff, again, it's a, a picture of his investment in us and his involvement with us because he's with us. And that should comfort us. It should comfort us tonight that we have a, a God who leads us. We have a God who defends us. And it should comfort you tonight that you have a God who co will correct you. That's an act of grace. Because orphans don't have parents in their life doing that. They're allowed to do whatever they want whenever they want to do it. And we got to understand another element of God's grace is that our Heavenly Father loves us. And in that, he will chastise us, and I'm going to say it at times, take us to the woodshed, and that should comfort you tonight. It comforts me. I look back at times where I've been taken to the woodshed, and it's comforting because it was evidence that my father loved me, and he brought correction practically in my life that I needed. I needed that correction. Let that comfort you tonight. Maybe tonight you're in the woodshed, and it's not comfortable in the woodshed, is it? It's not pleasant in there. It's not comfortable, but you can be comforted knowing that you are there because you have a shepherd and a father who loves you and cares about you. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And as Satan plots and schemes and attacks, we mentioned Job earlier, and you know it. It was a time when the sons of God came before God to give an account. 
And it says in verse 7 of Job 1, the Lord said to Satan, where do you come, uh, where, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, from walking back and forth on it. Just a picture of a busybody. To and fro, looking for trouble. To and fro, looking for opportunities. And as he's going to and fro, looking for opportunities, scheming and plotting and attacking and organizing his minions, and they are very organized. Go read Ephesians chapter 6. There is a hierarchy, hierarchy there, and there is an order there, and so forth. And they are plotting, and they are scamming, and they're you know, scheming, and they are, they're, they're trying to disrupt our walks and keep people from Christ. All while this is going on, the Lord is preparing a table for us in the presence of the enemy. Right in his face, he's preparing that table for us. While the enemy runs amok, the Lord's preparing it, even right now. And I know when we think of this, our mind can maybe go to the, to, to the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation 19, where it talks about at the, the end of the age, you know, the saints that are raptured, that marriage supper with the Lord, where we sit and we dine with Him, and we say, yes, I'm looking forward to that. The Lord's preparing that for me. But listen, we don't need to wait till then. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Let's take him up on that, amen? He's preparing that table before me. Am I sitting down at that table and partaking with it, allowing him to shepherd me, fellowshipping with him, enjoying him, and so forth? Why Satan runs amok. Our enemy runs amok. The Lord says, I'm just, you're doing all this. I'm preparing a table for my children, for my sheep. And listen, that infuriates him all the more, but there's nothing he can do about it. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Uh, this is a picture of a, it, it symbolizes a calling or an ordination or an approval or an empowering. And he's anointed our heads with oil in that sense. Uh, 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, minister it one to another. That's a type of ordination. That's a type of calling. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The Bible says that we are kings, priests, ambassadors, that's the picture of an anointing. That's a picture of an authority that we have in Christ. Because he's our shepherd. An oil is also a, a picture in, in this context of a cleansing agent. It's, it's a picture of, a, of a, a fragrance of life. And I love the fact that these tags on here, my cup runs over. It's not just our cup's full, but it, but it runs over. And the more you let him shepherd you, the more that you go under those green pastures where he is at, the more that cup will run over. Jesus himself said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. That's a picture of that cup running over. That comes when we come and dine at that table with him, when we allow him to shepherd him, when we say, Lord, lead me into your paths of righteousness. I want to get into that green pasture. I want to open the word of God. I, I want to allow you to direct and lead and guide my life. 
And that's a daily thing. That's why he said, if you desire to come after me, take up your cross daily and follow me. Because sometimes we can be stubborn sheep. And we can wander off and drift off and so forth. And again, he's a good shepherd and a good shepherd will use his rod of correction because he loves us. And that's comforting. But listen, the green pasture is more comforting than the woodshed. And even the valley of the shadow of death being led by the shepherd is more comforting than the woodshed as well. Are you allowing him to shepherd you tonight? Are you allowing him to, to you know what, draw you in and lead, and lead your life? And if there's areas that you're not, listen. Let's ask the Lord to help us in that. Let's be truthful with him. If there's areas where we go wayward, bring it before the Lord. He's a good shepherd. He loves you. You're a sheep. We talked about it Sunday. He knows we're but dust. He knew we needed a Savior. Verse 6, surely, he doesn't say maybe or could be, but notice here, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love 2 Corinthians 1.20. For the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him amen to the glory of God through us. Again, to His glory, His promises are yes and amen to us. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And David could claim this because the Lord was a shepherd. And again, David had times in the woodshed, didn't he? I mean, David had times where it was periods of years where he suffered the consequence of some of his sin. But goodness and mercy still followed him all his days because, again, God never forsook him. And even in those messes, God worked it for good, just like when we talked about when he counted the people, and yet through that, he purchased the deed to the Temple Mount. And boy, you better believe that mercy has followed us, his sheep, all of our days. Because mercy's not getting what you deserve. And if he's not my shepherd, I deserve hell. And so do you. How dare you say that? That's what the Bible says. I'll stand on the word of God. His goodness and mercy followed us today, did it not? All the days of my life, goodness and mercy. And I know there's been some rough days along the way. There have been some days with tears, have there not? Were some days, I mean, there, there have been ups and downs, but God is faithful. And I love it. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And notice he doesn't say, I might. He says, surely here. And then he says, I will. These are non-negotiables. I will. Surely and I will. Not I might. I could. Not if I do enough, then maybe I'll get to dwell there. But I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, how can he say that? Because the Lord's a shepherd. His faith in the Lord. And again, in Christ Jesus, we can say with confidence, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's finished through Jesus. 
Now, if you want to go put faith in Jesus plus a little bit of yourself, you can't say that. And in fact, mo most cults and false systems, even under the banner of Christianum, though they're not Christian, they can't claim this. They'll say, well, you know, you'll, you, you can go to a place of, of purification for a while where you'll be tormented for 10 years, and then maybe you'll dwell in the house of the Lord. So the blood of Jesus wasn't enough. You had to atone for your own sins. Or, you know, you go knock on enough doors, then maybe, or, you know, whatever thing they put forth to manipulate and steal from people. But the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we have that promise. And again, it's based on Him. It's for His namesake, to His glory through what He has done. And that's why we can have confidence in this. We're going to dwell with Him forever because of what He's done for us and because He is our shepherd. And this is glorious. I just love the assurance that we have in Jesus Christ. Fellowship with a brother recently, and, and he's been having some issues. He's having a drinking issue. And I know this guy loves the Lord. A lot of fruit in his life, man, the last three, four years. Just really growing in the Lord, but a little setback. And he came in and he said, man, I, I don't like how I feel doing this, and I don't want to do this, but part of me doesn't want to quit. I guess it's called the flesh. We all have that. And he says, but I'm fearful because I read in the Word there, it says no drunkard will enter the, inherit the kingdom of God. I'm like, man, you're not a drunkard. You're a born-again Christian. You might be a born-again Christian that's struggling with some drinking right now, but you're washed, you're sanctified. And listen, if you weren't a Christian, you wouldn't even care about any of this stuff. It wouldn't even bother you. But it's happening in part because you have a heavenly father. You have a shepherd who's correcting you with his staff right now. And he's not allowing you to enjoy that. And there was an assurance that I could guarantee him with that was through his faith in Jesus Christ that had nothing to do with him. And we have that. We have it. And the evidences of his faith was apparent in him saying, I don't like where I am right now. Because God loved him so much, he wouldn't allow him to enjoy it. Aren't you glad for that assurance tonight? That I can say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because of what Jesus has done for me. Because it's finished in him. Heavenly Father, we just praise you tonight. We give you glory. We thank you for this word. We just thank you, God, for the goodness of it. And we thank you, Lord, that, God, we can claim it through faith in Christ that you are our shepherd. I would hope and pray, God, that, that just taking a few weeks and looking at this psalm has built our faith and grown us. Lord, replace fear with faith. Crucify fear and replace it with faith. Trust in you, Lord. And we pray, God, that, again, if there are areas where we are not wanting to let you shepherd us, that you will crucify that, God, and give us the faith to trust in you. 
those areas where the flesh God is resisting. And in our spirit, in that new man, Lord, we know what's right, and yet we do the thing that we hate. Crucify that tonight, God. Lead us with your rod and your staff, Lord. And we thank you for the assurance that we have in you and through what you've done. Let us leave here rejoicing in that, God, for your namesake, to your glory. And listen, you know, earlier we took communion and talked about the gospel and calling upon the Lord. And maybe we all know him here tonight. And listen, that's a, that's a beautiful thing if that's the case. And I would hope and pray we got more equipped to take the gospel out there as we leave this place. Because there's a lot of folks out there that don't know Jesus. But if you're here tonight and you don't know him, listen, today's the day of salvation. You need to come to the Lord. You need to humble your heart and call on him and ask him to meet you where you are and to forgive you and ask him to be the Lord of your life. It's the most important decision, not only of your life here, but all of eternity. And I would open pray if you haven't called on him that you would, even tonight, and he'll meet you where you are. And so we thank you, Lord. We praise you. We just thank you for your word, and, and we just ask these sayings in Jesus' name.